0: Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. The most expensive public works project in Minnesota history got the green light from the federal government this week. The Southwest Light Rail line will connect downtown Minneapolis to Eden Prairie through several west metro suburbs. With this approval, construction can start next year, and the federal government is expected to pay nearly half of the estimated $2 billion cost. Jay Coles brings us up to speed on the next steps for the project.
1: Some of the first Southwest light rail stops outside Minneapolis will be stations in St. Louis Park and the people we talk to tell us they're getting on board Is it going to get people out of their cars it will for me I, I before before I bought my house I used to rent an apartment in, in South Minneapolis I'd walk to the train station and go to the airport
2: We lived in St. Louis Park since 1967 We have watched this whole light rail thing come go come go come go and when it comes, we're hopping on.
1: I am excited. I'm finally excited that somebody might get it done. This now means the Met Council and Hennepin County can move forward with plans to snake the Green Line through St. Louis Park, Minnetonka, Hopkins, and Eden Prairie. 16 stations covering nearly 15 miles of new light rail line and promises of plenty of riders to justify it. Estimated daily riders about 40,000 compared to the Blue Line at roughly 32,000.
3: We've blown the doors off the ridership projections. The fundamentals on this line are very
1: sound, and uh, there's going
3: to be terrific ridership, in my estimation.
1: And with the expected high ridership, county leaders are promising big development projects and jobs to go along with it.
3: The plans are already in place. All the cities along the lines have plans around those light rail stations. So... All the fundamentals are in place, and I'm really confident it's going gonna, it's gonna to be another another huge success.
1: Jay Coles, 5 Eyewitness News.
0: Hennepin County has approved up to $435 million for early construction on the line, and the Met Council awarded the construction contract to Lunda Construction and C.S. McCrossen for nearly $800 million. The project is expected to be finished by 2023. Five Minnesotans are getting ready for their first terms in Congress. That is the most new faces we've had at the same time since the 1930s. They are Republicans Jim Hagedorn and Pete Stauber and Democrats Angie Craig, Dean Phillips, and Elhan Omar. This week, I spent some time with each of them during new member orientation in Washington, D.C. Phillips and Omar come from very different backgrounds. Omar is a former refugee from Somalia, who fled to America in fear of her life? Phillips is a wealthy businessman with famous relatives who has now dedicated himself to public service. Now they are both about to represent their state in Congress.
2: All right, everybody right here. Three, two.
0: A diverse group of newly elected members of Congress gathered for a photo near the Capitol steps. A DIVERSITY EPITOMIZED BY THE ELECTION OF ILHAN OMAR IN MINNESOTA'S 5th DISTRICT. THE FIRST SOMALI-AMERICAN AND FIRST REFUGEE ELECTED TO CONGRESS. I THINK IT GIVES PEOPLE AN OPPORTUNITY TO KNOW THAT THEIR TODAY DOESN'T DETERMINE THEIR TOMORROW.
4: um, AND I'M EXCITED TO BE uh, AN EXAMPLE OF THAT EVERY SINGLE DAY.
0: OMAR IS HIGHLIGHTED ON THE COVER OF A NEW EDITION OF THE NEW YORKER, OPENING DOORS IN WASHINGTON. SHE TAKES THE NOTORIETY SERIOUSLY.
4: BECAUSE THAT MEANS THAT YOU HAVE A RESPONSIBILITY TO KEEP, in, to keep THAT DOOR OPEN, um, WIDE OPEN FOR SO MANY MORE TO COME THROUGH SO THAT WE ARE NOT TALKING ABOUT FIRSTS
0: ANYMORE.
5: IT'S THE BEAUTY OF CONGRESS. IT'S SUCH A REPRESENTATION OF THE MOSAIC OF THE COUNTRY. EXTRAORDINARY LIFE STORIES AND EXPERIENCES AND PERSPECTIVES.
0: DEMOCRAT DEAN PHILLIPS IS A FELLOW DEMOCRAT BUT BRINGS HIS OWN PERSPECTIVE AS A WEALTHY BUSINESSMAN WILLING TO WORK IN bipartisan. Fashion with new colleagues like Minnesota's Jim Hagedorn
5: and Pete Stauber, the collegiality amongst the Democrats and Republicans newly elected uh, is really inspiring, and, I, and I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic. A lot to learn, a lot to listen to, and a lot to navigate.
0: Many in Washington will also soon learn about Phillips' famous grandmother. Advice columnist, Dear Abby, and as your colleagues find out that your grandmother uh, was Dear Abby, do you expect them to ask you for advice? Darn
5: right. (laughs) And the best advice she gave me was don't give any.
0: Not only is Dear Abby, whose real name was Pauline Phillips, Dean Phillips' grandmother, her twin sister was Ann Landers, another famous advice columnist. But as Phillips said, he's mostly listening to advice as he learns the ropes in Washington, D.C. Democrat Angie Craig is also a trailblazer in Minnesota's congressional delegation, and Pete Stauber and Jim Hagedorn did something few Republicans accomplished in the midterm elections. They flipped Democratic seats to Republican. By coincidence, they both also have unique connections to former President Ronald Reagan. Republican Pete Stauber arrived in Washington, D.C. without much fanfare. Unlike his other notable visit to Washington 30 years ago, as one of the captains of the 1988 NCAA national champion Lake Superior State hockey team. We were the first division one hockey team to visit the White House. And in May of 88, it was uh, President Ronald Reagan. At the time, Stauber aspired to serve the public as a police officer, not a politician. But Reagan had a big impact on him. I remember meeting him, Tom. He was just uh, just a, a figure of a man. His suit, everything was perfect about him. And he was just a, a humble person and congratulated us on the victory. And I'll never forget that. You've spent a lot of time out here. It's Republican Jim Hagedorn is no stranger to Washington either or to President Reagan. Hagedorn's dad, Tom Hagedorn, served in Congress from the mid 70s until the early 80s, making them the first father son congressional combo in Minnesota since Ole and Paul Qualley in the 1920s and 30s. Hagedorn's dad introduced him to Reagan in the White House.
5: I'm a conservative. I have a little button that says I was for Reagan my whole life, you know. Yeah, a very nice guy, uh, principal person. He he. He he stood for what he believed.
2: I personally intend to reach out to uh, my Republican colleagues.
0: Democrat Angie Craig is the first openly gay member of Minnesota's delegation. She plans to work across the aisle when she can, but first has to decide whether to vote for Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. Well, if nobody's running uh, but
2: her, there's really no decision to make, right? I'm going to vote for a Democrat. And so if we get other candidates over the coming weeks, then I'll take a look at those.
0: The election of a new speaker won't happen until later this month, but Nancy Pelosi declared this past week she has, quote, overwhelming support among her fellow Democrats to be the next House Speaker. You can go to the politics page at KSTP.com to see more of my interviews with all five new members of Minnesota's congressional delegation in Washington. Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer will be the next head of the National Republican Congressional Committee. The NRCC announced Wednesday that Emmer, who represents the 6th District, was elected as chairman for 2019 and 2020. He'll lead the GOP's effort to try to regain the majority in the U.S. House. Hennepin County will have a new sheriff in January. The canvassing board confirmed the results of that race this week, giving Dave Hutchinson the win over three-term incumbent Rich Stanek. Callan Gray spoke with the incoming sheriff, who is already planning for his transition. Metro
4: Transit Police Sergeant David Hutchinson was considered the underdog in the race for Hennepin County Sheriff, up against three-term incumbent Rich Stanek. The race
3: for Hennepin County Sheriff was the closest county race.
4: With Hutchinson looking on, the Hennepin County Canvassing Board certified the election results this morning, making it official he will be the next sheriff. Hutchinson won by 2340 votes.
5: A lot of hard work and... A little luck.
4: HUTCHINSON SAYS HIS TEAM IS MEETING ABOUT THE TRANSITION, BUT HE WON'T COMMENT ON WHETHER THERE WILL BE PERSONNEL CHANGES, ONLY SAYING...
5: IF THEY'RE LOYAL TO THE SHERIFF'S OFFICE, I DON'T CARE IF THEY DIDN'T AGREE WITH ME DURING THE CAMPAIGN. I CARE ABOUT PEOPLE WHO ARE SUCCESSFUL AND DO A GOOD JOB.
4: AMONG HIS TOP PRIORITIES COME JANUARY, MENTAL HEALTH, THE OPIOID EPIDEMIC, AND IMMIGRATION, AN ISSUE HE SAYS HE'S ALREADY TALKING TO THE COUNTY ATTORNEY ABOUT.
5: I DON'T HAVE A DIRECT VERBIAGE ON THAT YET, SO but eventually it's going to come and it's going to be uh, more friendly to everybody in the county.
4: This is the first time since 2006 there will be a new sheriff, and the department says services will be seamless during the transition. In the same no statement, Sheriff Stanek responded to the results, Ma'am. saying, quote, I have congratulated Sheriff-elect David Hutchinson on the results of this race, and the transition is underway. I look forward to continuing my service until my term expires. Callan Gray, 5 Eyewitness News.
0: GOVERNOR MARK DAYTON IS STILL IN THE HOSPITAL A MONTH AFTER UNDERGOING TWO SURGERIES ON HIS LOWER BACK. DAYTON SAID IN A STATEMENT, COMPLICATIONS AFTER SURGERY CAUSED DAMAGE TO HIS LUNGS. HE'S NOW GOING THROUGH THERAPY TO REHABILITATE HIS LUNGS, BUT STILL HAS BEEN IN CONTACT WITH COMMISSIONERS AND STAFF WHILE HOSPITALIZED ON A NEARLY DAILY BASIS. HE SAYS HE EXPECTS TO BE BACK IN ST. PAUL SOON. UP NEXT, BRIAN MELENDEZ AND BRIAN MCDANIEL WILL BE HERE FOR POLITICAL ANALYSIS. And St. Paul passes a new $15 per hour minimum wage ordinance. We'll tell you how long local businesses will have to increase wages for workers. After months of discussion and debate, the city of St. Paul passed a new $15 minimum wage ordinance this week. Joe Mazin takes a look at what this means for workers and businesses across the city.
6: They sell sweet treats at Just Truffles in St. Paul, and it caught the sweet tooth. Truffle is called the Tenor's Temptation. Of a famous opera singer. Oh, my God, he's like a big Santa Claus. Kathleen O'Hare Johnson became friends with the late Luciano Pavarotti, even naming a truffle after the singer. That's why it has a little P on the top for Pavarotti. At her Grand Avenue store, she's owned for 30 years. I mean, You never get crabby
2: customers, and if they're crabby when they come in, they're not crabby when they leave.
6: The store has six part-time workers, and Kathleen's worried St. Paul's new $15 an hour minimum wage may force her to raise prices.
2: Yeah, it could be a very negative
6: impact. Today, St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter signed the minimum wage ordinance after being approved by the city council. Most employers in St. Paul will be expected to start paying workers $15 an hour over the next decade, depending on the size of the business.
1: There is no evidence, there is no economic data showing that a $15 minimum wage has a net negative impact on small business.
6: Celeste Robinson with 15 Now Minnesota pushed for the change and says the increase will be slowly phased in.
1: has a five-year phase in for big business, a seven-year phase in for small business, and a nine-year phase in for micro-businesses under five employees.
6: As a small business owner, Kathleen Will wait to see the real long term impact of the wage increase.
1: It's really
2: a mess, I think.
6: Even in a sweet shop, sometimes things can get bitter.
0: Joe Mazin, 5 Eyewitness News. A similar ordinance went into effect in Minneapolis last January. Businesses with more than 100 employees have until 2022 to phase in the $15 an hour minimum wage. Businesses with less than 100 employees have until 2024. We'll talk more about the minimum wage coming up later in Face Off, but right now we're going to talk some Washington politics with Brian McDaniel and Brian Melendez. I was out in Washington, as you know, covering our new members of Congress, and so far everybody is saying the right things, Brian Melendez. They're all saying we're going to uh, forge relationships and work in a bipartisan fashion I don't mean to be a pessimist, but how long can that last?
1: (laughs) I was going to say, it's good that we're talking about this today, because today will be our last chance to talk about it. (laughs) I I think it's going to last probably until Congress convenes at the beginning of January, so we've got about a good six weeks of Minnesota Nice. And maybe only until the time Nancy
0: Pelosi is likely elected House Speaker, because we all know uh, how she engenders Uh, Bipartisanship with Republicans.
3: Yeah, the one thing that we know that the Republicans are good at in D.C. is pointing out the goofy things that Nancy Pelosi and her caucus sometimes do. So I think that the spirit of bipartisanship would be probably appreciated, but I think we know better, don't
0: we? And we're going to see this classic setup now between uh, President Trump and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Each of the parties uses the other as their villain.
1: And they're going to continue to do so now, especially if she becomes House Speaker. Uh, Well, we've got two people who are just brilliant at demonizing the other side, so uh, I I can't imagine things are going to get a whole lot better.
0: Do you think that Congress is going to end up getting bogged down in repeated investigations of President Trump as opposed to doing a lot of things they talked about on the campaign trail? health care and those types of things?
3: Well, I think they do so at their own peril. I think that, that that the public is so tired of hearing about Mueller this and investigate this and Russia this and then having nothing really come out of it. I think that the Democrats did a good job of talking about pre-existing conditions and other things that people actually cared about. And I think that, that, that if they're smart, they will focus on those things, not on the president.
0: Let's talk about what's going on back here in the state capitol. Uh, interesting meeting this week between former governor Jesse Ventura <laughs> and Governor-elect Tim Walls, uh, the inimitable uh, Jesse Ventura, showing up with a Jimi Hendrix uh, T-shirt on underneath his snowmobile uh, jacket. And Brian Melendez, one of the things they talked about was uh, Jesse Ventura was ahead of his time on this, recreational <laughs> marijuana legalization, and Tim Walls is on board with that idea.
1: Uh, I, I'm friends with a lot of people who are ahead of their time on that issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that you want to it elaborate it. on that? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, And neither do my friends. Uh, I I think it'll make an interesting discussion at the Capitol. You know, this is a legitimate issue that has a lot of support, growing support. Uh, I think we are not too far away from seeing the entire country legalize marijuana, and Minnesota is usually in the vanguard of movements like that.
0: Now, every Democratic candidate for governor said they were in favor of it, but I believe all the Republicans were against it, and my guess is the Republican Senate... Uh, that will still be a tough sell. I think this would be an incredibly tough sell in the Republican Senate. But I think it is something, like Brian
3: said, that is getting a lot of national momentum. So I think that this won't be something that happens in 2018, uh, 2019. But as we get into the 2020s, I think that there's going to be a lot more, uh, you know, you know, constructive discussion on it. Now,
0: another fascinating issue at the state capitol is going to be the gas tax. Uh, it's always controversial whenever it comes up. It's been, I think, since, what, 2006, since we increased it, and we remember how controversial that was. Uh, a veto from Governor Pawlenty had to be overridden for that to happen. Uh, Tim Walls, the governor-elect, uh, Brian says he's going to stick to his guns on that, even though the the soon-to-be House Minority Leader, Kurt Dowd, says with a Possibility of a multi billion dollar budget surplus that
1: would be ridiculous. Well, here we may see an illustration of how go- uh, soon to be Governor Walls' style may be different from Governor Dayton's. If Governor Walls has the, li- the right conversations and lays the right groundwork with the Republican caucus, this actually I think has a chance of getting through in the next biennium. Even though Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says it's just a non starter for him,
0: but Governor elect Walls says, Hey, the people have spoken, they elected me, but did they elect him? On that issue, to well, raise the gas tax.
3: Well, I think they certainly did not elect him to 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 pass a gas tax. Um, but I think that you know, the, even though it, the, the gas tax isn't popular with the public, or Republicans, you know, this is something with such a narrow majority uh, in the Republican Senate. I think that if Governor Walls proves to be a better uh, negotiator than Governor Dayton, and really. It'd be pretty hard for him not to be. Um, I think that that he would be might be able to come up with something to give the Republicans that would allow them to release the number of votes needed to pass he a gas.
0: But only need to peel off a vote or two to make that happen. All right, Brian McDaniel, Brian Melendez, thank you both for being here. Up next, Mike Erlandson and Annette Meeks will be here for face-off, and former Minnesota Supreme Court Justice Alan Page receives the nation's highest civilian honor. Former Minnesota Viking and State Supreme Court Justice Alan Page received the country's highest civilian honor Friday, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Page is well known, of course, for his long and distinguished athletic and legal careers, but he's also known for establishing the Page Education Foundation with his wife. The organization provides educational grants to students of color so they can attend college or another post secondary institution. The honor for Justice Page comes the same week as a day named in honor of his late wife. Wednesday was Diane Sims Page Day in Minnesota. Sims Page died in September after a battle with breast cancer. She was 74 years old. Students gathered in Minneapolis Wednesday evening to hear from Alan Page about her legacy.
3: To have Diane recognized for her fierce determination and belief in social justice, racial justice, equality, educational opportunity for all.
0: To date, the Page Foundation has provided $14 million in grants to more than 6,700 students. Really a remarkable couple, and she, of course, is going to be dearly missed. Joining me now, former state DFL party chair Mike Erlandson and Annette Meeks from the Freedom Foundation. And Alan Page is someone, when when you look at him, you don't think Democrat or Republican. You just think Minnesotan.
2: And what a great Minnesotan he is, and what a great honor and well-deserved. Uh, just a truly remarkable man. I was privileged to serve with him on a task force a couple of years
0: ago, and just a real honor and, and well-deserved. And you can tell by the emotion in his voice. Uh, he misses, uh, dearly misses his wife.
5: Oh, no question. You know, I mean, those two are sort of tied at the hip, uh, Diane and Alan, and they've given so much to our community and so many opportunities to people. So it's, it was sad to see her passing, but I'm sure her spirit is carried with him at the White House on Friday.
0: Absolutely, and congratulations. And so now to him.
2: something extra to wear when he plays the tuba
0: during the marathon right. all the runners. I saw him on the marathon course uh, this year, and uh, always fun to see him. Uh, out there. Uh, Let's talk about some other matters. Uh, Governor Dayton, uh, we learned this week, has been in the hospital almost continuously, I believe, for about a month now, and nobody really noticed it. we were all focused on the election. Uh, Does it matter that the governor, the outgoing governor, has essentially been running state business from a hospital uh, bed for the past several weeks?
5: Um, I don't know if it matters or not. I mean, first and foremost, we with wish Dayton a speedy recovery um, from the illness that he's battling in Mayo Clinic and a good back recovery. Uh, you know, There's no question that he's missed at the Capitol. Uh, but to your point, Tom, I mean, there is so much commotion taking place with the elections Uh, that, um, you know, he wasn't there, uh, but there's no question the state's still in good hands and the staff are still working hard, and he certainly was in communications with them by all accounts.
0: And the biggest duty he has now, of course, is transition uh, to a new governor, which is uh, Tim Walls, and a lot of that is handled at the staff level anyway.
2: It is, and and we all wish him well and hope his recovery is full and complete and, and speedy. Um, it's tough to have a governor laid up like that, and I'm sure he's he would like to be here handling the transition.
0: Should they have been more forthcoming, though, about the fact that he was in the hospital? Well, of course, but that's always a tough call to make.
2: Who wants to be the one to say he's you know had a, a reoccurrence of he had to have the second surgery, then he had the now the lung infection or whatever that is? I mean that that's just a tough call. You, between violating a family's privacy and their recovery and
0: what the public has a right to know. All right. Well, we do wish him well, uh, regardless of the of the situation. Uh, let's talk about a couple of uh, quick issues. Southwest light rail, uh, as we heard earlier, finally, construction is going to begin on it. I know you've been a longtime opponent of this, but it appears after the elections, uh, there are future rail Projects coming even after Southwest Light. Oh my
2: gosh, it never ends, and and this one's going to be especially tragic. I'll make a prediction on that issue. This will be the biggest boondoggle our state has ever ever embarked upon, and it's going to be up to Hennepin County taxpayers to foot the bill in, in for hundred years.
0: But the supporters say all the projections show this is going to have a lot of riders, and it's going to practically pay for itself.
5: Well, when you have an urban center growing the way Minneapolis and this region is growing, you've got to move the people around. You can move so many people on the roads, and you can move so many people with transit. And so we can argue about whether buses are better than rail, and right now the leaders of Hennepin County and the state have made the decision to do uh, light rail as a component of that. You know, and more than 50% of it is paid for by the federal government and a huge uh, subsidy by the federal government for uh, the ridership as well. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to build the system in Minnesota for better or worse.
0: Less than 30 seconds left, uh, St. Paul passes $15 minimum wage, Minneapolis has already done it. Is it just a matter of time before that's the statewide minimum wage? I would guess that will
2: happen and I guess it will hurt the low income guys who don't work 40 hours a week the most.
5: They've been very careful I think with the minimum wage ordinances that have passed to phase them in over a long period of time. I mean the St. Paul one is not completely phased in for nine years and so I think it's going to happen. You know, and that's I think that we saw a little bit in the elections, people are hungry for action to take place for livable wages, for health care, and for transportation.
0: Well, we're definitely seeing evidence of that here in the Twin Cities, no question. Mike and Annette, thanks for being here. Bringing a historic university chapel into the modern era. We'll explain when we come back. The University of St. Thomas wants to add space to its chapel while still preserving the historic building. The university unveiled plans for a 23,000-square-foot glass addition underneath the chapel. It'll include a 300-guest multi-purpose room, an art gallery, and an outdoor amphitheater. The nearly $13 million project will be paid for with private donations. And that's all the time we have for now. We'll see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.